You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. The Sonic Society. Around the world in a heartbeat. Lasting forever in the podverse. With Jack Ward and David Alt. Does it? <clears throat> I've been walking around this mirrored hole for minutes, seconds, hours, days. Time seems to go especially wonky in situations like this. Like between one episode to another, it could be a moment if it's a cliffhanger or a thousand years. Who can say? The stability of the audioverse seems to be at stake, that's all I know. And here I am, unable to produce much of anything except, oh, except perhaps a certainty that I'm not a vampire with all these mirrors. I can see myself reflected in a thousand, thousand crevices. Hmm. Well, it's a narcissist, Seven. The only good news is that I've still got a hold of the Chatterbox Horror Live signal, a showcase of nine original radio drama horrors that were produced by the Chatterbox audio players with Bob Arnold and crew. If I can keep listening, I should be able to at least identify proper coordinates of this trap. Orpheus by Deborah Hyatt. <laughs> Orpheus, you loving fool, running down that steep descent. Instrument in hand, you ran laughing as you went. What made you go? <sighs> What were you thinking running into darkness? Did you long for the feel of the warm summer breeze? Or the sight of the sun in the shimmering trees? Or was Eurydice alone your light, ever bright and leading? Tell me, Orpheus, what drove you on? <sighs> Did you shiver with cold inside your own heart? Mourn a lost love and dread a lost art? Or did Eurydice remain your muse, love's bond impossible to part? What kept you going down that dark road? Did you worry at songs like a dog with a bone, struggle for notes for words that had flown? Or was it your wife's imagined lament that filled your mind and led you on? What made you struggle so? Ah! Orpheus! Folly led you into darkness. Did you think that your music and your grief could bend the rules of life and death, gain from the lord of the underworld some genuine respect? <laughs> of course. Those other gods had promised, had they not? Apollo had whispered in your ear, Go, and so, down into the underworld you ran, challenged death, and claimed your wife, you would bring her back to life. Back to sunlight on your faces, 
to heated flesh and blood that races, to sweat and births and meals of meat, to wine and shouting in the street, to laughing with your rescued love, safe in your arms in the world above. <sighs> ah, the world above. Tell me, Orpheus, of your ascent. Tell me how you strode along, your wife behind and silent. Were you listening for each step she made, eager for her sweet embrace, as it had been before the grave? Huh? What memories were you chasing in your quickening climb to light? Eurydice's sunlit smile by day, her... Loving moans by night? Did you long to kiss her mouth and fill your eyes, to pump and pulse between her thighs? Was every upward step and slide filled with happy thoughts and sighs? Ever quicker, you ran up the twisted way. Were you racing to restore your wife, or... Fearing the thing you were bringing to life. Uh, One uh, final rise to the light of day. Oh, uh, Orpheus, you were but a step away. Uh, the land of the living, a single stride, your loving wife just there behind. Tell me, Orpheus, what gave you pause? What made you stop? <laughs> what made you no! turn too soon? I'm Not Dead by Robert Arnold happening. It's happening, Richard. Believe it. Diana, you're, you're here. Of course I'm here, Richard. I'm right here, at rest next to you. They can't bury me. They, they can't. And yet here you are, underground, buried alongside your wife and your secrets. Diana, I never meant, I never... Your secrets, your lies, 
Even now, there are so many things I don't know the truth about. I'll tell you. I'll tell you everything. Will you? Yes. But first, I have to get out of here. You can't. I have to. Richard, love, you can't. The air is already getting thinner. Don't you taste it? <laughs> Soon there won't be any oxygen left. You'll lose your strength. Then you'll asphyxiate. It will be a slow process, especially for you. Oh, God. So, tell me, with these last breaths, please. I... Yes. I'll tell you. It started with Howard. We're ready, sir. It started with Howard, that poor, pitiful, loyal soul. The incantation is holding. There appears to be no way for her to break free, though certainly she's been trying. How my parents would grieve if they saw the way I treated him, if they knew what I had asked him to do. She's downstairs, sir, and, sir, she's been asking for you. Asking for me, Howard? What do you mean? Just that, sir, asking for you by name. Well, in that case, let's give her what she wants, shall we? Yes, sir. Shouldn't we close the door? It, it isn't the door that's keeping her here, sir. This way. Just there, sir. She's inside the circle. What? It's... it's empty. Well, she... she was here, sir. Right here, lying on the ground like a... like a pile of rags. I... Uh... <coughs> Howard? <coughs> Howard, are you all right? Oh, Howard! God! Not God. <gasps> so, you've escaped. You've freed yourself. No. I am not free, Richard Carrington. I cannot cross the threshold of this chamber. But I will have the satisfaction of devouring you and your little manservant. Devouring you from the inside. You won't. At least not if you ever want to leave this room. You see, I know the rules. You will release me, Meat Sack! I will! Yes! But only if you help me first. <laughs> Others have attempted to bargain with me, Richard Carrington. They regretted it. This bargain will cost you nothing and will win you your freedom from me. Hear me out. I know you possess immense power. I ask you only for a small portion of it. Not for me, for my family. Family? Yes, a wife. I can smell her. And she is with child, is she not? She is our first. Perhaps I will begin by snacking on the infant and the moose-bouche before the main course. No! You will not harm them. 
In fact, you will do the opposite. You will provide for them. In what way? My family, my wife and son, I want them to have everything their hearts desire. Every last thing, as long as it is wished for purely and honestly. I'm not asking for myself, only for the two of them. I cannot turn meat sacks into gods, Richard Carrington. It is not allowed. I know, but they don't need to be gods. They, they don't need anything beyond what can be attributed to providence, to, to happenstance. They must not know they possess this power. It must remain hidden if it is discovered or recognized it will be eliminated all right i'll agree to those terms then release me richard carrington and release your family to the fate you have chosen for them yes i release you i break the talisman you are freed Howard! Howard, are you all right? It worked, Howard, it worked. Are you all right? But he wasn't all right. How could he be after... after that? But we had accomplished our mission, the one we'd worked on in secret for so many months. It was done. I remember seeing you that night when you came upstairs... You had the strangest look on your face, haunted but elated. Do you remember what you said to me? I said, everything will be all right, Diana. You don't have to worry, not ever again. And for a while, it seemed like that might be true, didn't it? Ah, uh, yes, ma'am, it's this year's model, and I realize the price is unheard of, but the sellers are very motivated. What can I say? I've never seen a portfolio perform like this. It's incredible. A pile-up, ma'am. Bad one. Lucky you didn't come along any sooner. You would have been right in the middle of it. But you couldn't help it. You still worried. Love, it's Howard. I feel bad for him. He just isn't the same. The man's been hurt, Diana. He's lucky to be able to walk. I know. But it's more than that. Ever since his fall down the stairs, he seems distant. Like he's in a dream. I just... Yes? I just wish he could be happy again. And so he was. Good morning, madam. Why, Howard, you seem in high spirits. Has the pain lessened today? I'm afraid not, madam. But I will make the best of things. And so it went. Problem by problem, everything falling into place. Even... Seven pounds, eight ounces, Mrs. Carrington. An extremely healthy baby boy. Bobby. He grew. And it was amazing. He was never sick, never even all that upset. I thought it was just his temperament, his good genes. You never suspected. How could I? How could I possibly guess what you had done? But you were happy, Diana, for a while? Yes, for a while. Diana? 
It's three o'clock, darling. Aren't you ready to get out of bed? But when you have everything you want, love, there's nothing left to live for. Are you hungry? I can have Howard make you something. All right. Diana, what is it? What do you want? Just tell me. I don't know what I want, Richard. I, I don't know. All I know is that I, I don't want this. I don't want any of it. And I don't want you. Diana, listen to me. Be careful. For heaven's sake, it's don't... It's true. I can't stand it anymore, Richard. The ease of it all. The, the perfection. What do you mean? Are, are you telling me your life is, is too good? I know it doesn't make sense. I know I should be happy. But sometimes I wish... Diana, listen to me. Sometimes I wish I were dead. No. <gasps> and that was it. An idle wish. But I suppose at that moment I did mean it. I should have told you. We already had everything. I could have ended it there. Told you and freed us all. Bobby. Yes, Bobby, who you poisoned against me. I had to. Don't you understand? I had to. I want to meet her. No, no, Bobby, you don't. Trust me, she's living overseas now, and she doesn't love you. Maybe she'll come home. That's what I'm afraid of. That's what we should both be most afraid of. And all the while, Howard withered and rotted... But he was still happy, wasn't he? Yes, even as he fell apart. Good evening, sir. Howard, my God, your face. Are those, are those sores? What's the matter? Why, nothing at all, sir. Doesn't it hurt? Oh, yes, sir, but I still make the best of things. It was ghastly. If only you had been more careful... I tried to get Bobby to make things right, but he never seemed to understand. All those years, there was a crack somewhere deep inside that man, a fissure, and it grew. Will you be needing anything else, sir? Pain, anger, anxiety, revulsion. They're just reactions, symptoms to tell us that something is wrong. All I did was erase the symptoms. Underneath... Something was still wrong. Well, Howard, what are we doing down here? Remembering, sir. Remembering that night all those years ago. Things changed that night, didn't they, sir? For both of us. Not for the better in your case, I'm afraid? Oh, I don't know, sir. To be honest, I've never felt happier. Howard, what are you doing? Where did you get a gun? I finally realized it, sir. I finally realized what would make me happiest of all. Howard! Howard, no! And so... It ended with Howard. Yes. And that's it. That's the whole story. Until you woke up here. Yes. I, I don't understand it. I, I must have been killed. 
the gunshot. I can help you with that part. They were saying goodbye to you, Richard, not twenty minutes ago, up above. Saying goodbye? Yes, your funeral, and little Bobby by the gravesite. It's not fair. Little Bobby, sweet little Bobby, the only one left. It's not fair. The only pillar still standing in the ruins you made of our lives. And what did he want? Daddy shouldn't be dead. What did he want in his heart of hearts more than anything in this world? I don't want Daddy to be dead. I want him to be alive. No. I want Daddy to live forever. No. No. No! <laughs> <laughs> The second place winner in our flash horror script competition, The Comeback, by Richard Hand. Thanks for coming, Patty. You're looking good. Let's be honest. Neither of us are spring chickens anymore, Barry. <laughs> well, that's true. I blame the job. Yes, a career in rock music isn't going to leave you without a few wrinkles, is it? And each one tells a tale, huh? <laughs> I can't tell you how weird it is being back in this studio. Really? Well, how so? It's been a long time, Barry. I used to love it, but the industry changed. My career died with vinyl. Digital was never going to be for me. But all credit to you, you've never given up. Not so much money in it anymore, but people still want music. Don't forget that. Good luck to you. For me, I love being retired. Read a lot, started writing my memoirs. Don't listen to music much, though. How can you leave it all behind? The world's changed, Barry. No, not for me. I'm going to be back on top. <laughs> The same old Barry. Look at all the platinum discs on the wall. I discovered most of these guys. You came along and ate them all up. Well, they outgrew you. I took them to the next level. With me, they went from selling thousands of records to millions. You never took any chances. You'd just see a winner and snap him up. You sound bitter. No, I'm not. I've got good memories. There'll be a parental advisory on my autobiography. <laughs> Seriously, I wouldn't want to be producing music now. But kudos, Barry. You've never given up. Well, that's why I wanted you to come here today, Patty. I've got something to show you. Oh, really? The next big thing? <laughs> yes, it is. But it's nothing new. Oh, boy, not one of the old guys. Yeah, the biggest comeback in the history of rock. Who are we talking about? The biggest star of them all. The one who made me a millionaire. You are kidding me. No, I'm not. 
Andrews recording again. Wow. <laughs> How on earth did you manage that? Well, I can be persuasive. You should know that. But he's a recluse. Hasn't sung or touched a guitar in years, let alone written anything. Well, he's back. We've been recording. I'm impressed. I don't think anyone will have forgotten how he left the music business, spitting venom, especially at you. <laughs> Blamed you for everything. The music press loved it. Well, he's matured now. Lucky for you. No, he has. He understands. It took some persuading, admittedly, but he understands. We're working together, and I'll be rich again. It was never about the art for you, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I left the art to the small fry, like you. Meow, Barry. Meow. Uh, I've worked him hard. Improved him. What do you mean? A bit of enhancement. On the mixing desk? That's no surprise. Uh, no, 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 no. A bit more direct than that. Some surgical things. You mean Andrews had a bit of nip and tuck? <laughs> That's hilarious. Deeper than that. I had his larynx fixed and the tendons in his hands. Physically, he's exactly like he was at his prime. That's insane. How did he agree to that? He had very little choice. The rewiring helped. What? Rewired his brain. To unleash his creativity. Oh, <laughs> I get it. It's a joke. Nice one. You got me. Well, you can see for yourself. He's here. Andrew's here? Mm -hmm. Why didn't you say I'd love to see him? He wanted you to be the first to hear his new material. Didn't trust my opinion. Wanted you. Oh, isn't that rich? You see, Barry, that's always been your problem. What? What do you mean? All your platinum discs and the money you once had and the stars you bought cannot hide one simple fact. You have no ear for music. Don't ever say that. Come with me, now. Uh, this is going to be his great comeback. Get in there. Get in there now. Here you are, Andrew. Here's your precious patty. Play her your song, Andrew. Play it. It's good, right? The kids will buy it, won't they? Tell me it's good! Springs by Leslie Barker. One October night, when I was a teenager, my buddies and I went to Rocky Springs to camp for the weekend. Rocky Springs was a little off the beaten path in nowhere, Mississippi. 
You get the feeling that maybe it used to be something beautiful, but now it's just a bunch of cavernous gullies and some rocks in a creek bed. There's a hill with an old church sitting right at the brink of its cliff with a graveyard hiding behind it. It was our favorite place, maybe because when we were there, we felt like we'd found the edge of the world. That Friday night, we roasted marshmallows and talked about girls and drank cheap beer that my older brother bought for us. Matthew played his guitar. Wild Horses! Was the only song he could play. But he swore... The girls love it. Mostly Philip talked about his breakup with Jessica. She was a cheerleader, the smallest one, so they always put her on top of the pyramid. She and Philip had started fighting all the time. On account of the fact that the male cheerleaders get to look up her skirt, <laughs> but she never lets me do it. <laughs> I didn't have too much to add to the conversation. I'd only ever given a tiny corner of my heart to a girl. To Anna, with the short skirt and the innocent smile. And that was only because her brown eyes demanded it. Well, soon enough... The marshmallows ran out. And so did our patients for listening to Philip whine about Jessica. Matthew decided... We should sneak into the graveyard. But Philip protested... No way, man! We can't be in the graveyard at night! Are you crazy? That graveyard was perfectly peaceful when the sun was shining. Just a bunch of souls sleeping under the Spanish moss. But when the sun sank into those gullies and the moon slipped into place between the stars, the graveyard caught every shadow, and they danced like they were trying to break free. If you ask me, there should never be that much life in a graveyard. But Matthew was a reckless soul, without much regard for can'ts and shouldn'ts. So we stuffed our coat pockets with a couple of beers, followed the flashlight beams up the hill, and ran past the church to the graveyard. As soon as we got to the gate, I froze. Crazy as it sounds, I believe the ground reached up and grabbed my ankles. I couldn't move. Matthew never slowed down. Come on, Philip. Let's go find you a new girlfriend. I bet a ghost will let you look up her skirt. Philip reluctantly ran close behind him, <sighs> so he could look brave. Matthew let out a howl. Ow! And they disappeared into those dancing shadows, leaves crunching beneath their feet. The wind sounded different than it ever had before, like a woman singing the saddest song, so soft you could barely hear it. Jonathan! Come on, man! Where'd you go? Stop playing around, I can't find you! I just stood there and let that voice sing to me for a minute, but before I knew it, the wind didn't sound like wind at all anymore. The voice got louder and the song got sadder. I wanted to know whose lips all that sorrow was bleeding from. I needed to find her, to save her. My feet weren't stuck in the dirt and leaves anymore. Now, they had a mind of their own, and they were leading me straight into that old church. There was a single candle burning at the pulpit, and that helpless voice echoed between the cracks of the wooden walls. And there were other voices, whispers. My clumsy feet pushed me all the way down the center aisle of that church until I was standing right in front of that lone candle. And my hands clutched an old hymnal whose pages were turning wildly while it sang the most familiar song. I tried my best to keep the pages still to see which song it was. The pages were blank, but only for a moment. Words began scrolling across those empty pages like someone was scribbling them with ash and fire. My name is Sarah Jane, and this is my story. 
The words on my pages were written by the ghosts of this town. This town was so beautiful before it eroded away and sunk into gullies. Sometimes, if you walk through that hollow creek bed, you can hear the ones who disappeared with the dirt, gasping for air or sobbing for their home that was eaten by cracks and crevices. <laughs> I drew my last breath the moment the spring dried up. It cried for years, trying to stay alive. But sometimes even tears run out. My tears were for Thomas Jenkins. I loved Thomas. And Thomas loved the graveyard. Every night he would sing to all the wounded souls beneath the ground. If you asked him what he was playing, he'd say, Just calming the ghosts, playing them lullabies so they can sleep and waltzes so they can remember what love feels like. Those ghosts would dance to mend their shattered souls. He would play the fiddle for their broken hearts and the banjo for their broken bones. One night, I followed him to the graveyard. I thought I would hide in the shadows just to watch him play that lonesome old fiddle. But the moon must have been furious that night. It was bright orange and burned like whiskey on fire. There was no place to hide. Sarah Jane, what are you doing here? I was hoping you'd choose me to dance with instead of those ghosts. You ain't got no business being here. Get on home before you get the ghosts all riled up. I'm doing my best to keep them calm. Thomas Jenkins, I'm here to proclaim my love for you in front of those rowdy ghosts and that fiery moon and... Sarah Jane, you don't know what you're asking for. I offered my hand to Thomas for a dance, but sure enough, one of those ghosts took it and spun me into a waltz. He jangled with the sound of bones and broken bottles and burned my skin just by looking at me. He laughed as he tossed me through the graveyard. Sarah Jane! Help me, Thomas! I'm trying! They say that you can dance to the rhythm that your heart is beating. By the time that dance was through, the cadence of my heart was stolen and beaten in the chest of that crooked old ghost. After all those years of saving it for Thomas... It was gone. And so was the spring and this town. Restless souls can never be satisfied. When the dead come back to claim a town, the life just sinks into dust and clay. (gasps) I'm in the graveyard. Come find me. Help me dance again. Just one more waltz. Her face was sketched in the pages of that old hymnal. Between the songs and prayers, she was so beautiful, and she started singing with the wind again. But this time, she had a whole choir of lonely ghosts singing with her. If you believe there's longing in the voices of the living, you should hear the hymns of the dead. I stumbled out of that church to save Sarah Jane. There were no more footsteps over leaves, but the echo of distant screams. 
that had traveled too far to be taken back. The ground beneath me was pulsing like a bass drum, a little offbeat. And there, in the light of a fallen flashlight, was Philip, his chest gaping open as his heartbeat bled into the earth. Frantically, I began to look for Matthew. Matthew! Matthew! No answer, except for a wild rhythm pumping through the soles of my feet. With the energy of a hi-hat and a snare, it grew louder and louder, like wild horses running for their lives. And I knew that Matthew's heart must be beating somewhere outside of his chest. The furious whiskey moon slipped its fingers straight through the hole in Matthew's lifeless body. And when that fire in his chest went out, everything went silent. And there she was. Dance with me. She was as beautiful as starlight and hope. Dance with me. I tried running, but I never stood a chance. I'll teach you how to waltz, how to love. I'll sing the sweetest songs you ever heard right into your ear. And she did. Sarah Jane pulled me into her waltz with the tenderness of prayer and the fierceness of a tornado. I had only ever given a tiny corner of my heart to a girl, and she took the rest without a blink or apology. But instead of leaving me there, bleeding out into the autumn dirt, she stitched me back together with a pine needle and a strand of her golden hair. You have the biggest heart, my boy. I could see it there, terrified, pounding in her fragile hands. That one there? She pointed to Philip. His heart was broken. He gave too much away. A pretty girl somewhere must be holding all the missing pieces. Jessica. Oh, yes. He was still crying for her when he took his last breath. But look how peaceful he is now. No more tears. Sometimes even tears run out. And that one there... She pointed to Matthew. His heart was too reckless. I could never dance to a rhythm that wild. A boy like that doesn't last long in this world. A boy like that burns out hard and fast. But he went with a howl and a fight. Oh! Hear it? He's still fighting. But yours, your heart... Beats a perfect waltz. It is the one I will dance to between the moonlight and the shadows. And with a gust of wind, she was gone. We went to Rocky Springs that night together as three, a pack of hopeful young wolves looking for some trouble in the moonlight. I left as one. I left Matthew and Philip there in that graveyard at the edge of the world. I left the only woman I would ever give my whole heart to. I left with a chest pierced with pine needles and secrets I shuddered to even whisper. I left alone, sent to wander the rest of my days without a rhythm to dance to or a heart to love with.
And now, the first place winner in our flash horror script competition, The Hole by Joy Bishop. Jim, you didn't close the cabinet door all the way. Sorry. I'll get it when I finish eating. You know how I hate it when a cabinet door isn't closed all the way. Fine. I'll close it now. Did you just slam that cabinet door? Well, why should I have to interrupt my lunch just to close that stupid door? That's enough, Jim. You need to write a note to the hole. Mama, I am 23 years old. Don't you think I'm a bit too old for that? You are never too old to learn how to contain your anger. If your father You've was... told me the story a thousand times. Dad drank, got angry, lost jobs, hit you, drank some more, then died. I'm sorry for you, Mama. But don't you see that writing down angry thoughts and burying them in a hole in the backyard isn't healthy? I disagree. You were always so well behaved and... All you've done is suppress the anger. All those years. It has to come out sometime. And it frightens me, what might be in that hole. That's ridiculous. All that's in that hole are little crumpled up pieces of paper. I don't see Oh, there's much more than that in there, Mama. Over 18 years of frustration and anger and rage. Because you wouldn't let me be a full human being. Those hundreds of pieces of paper are feelings. Perfectly normal, valid feelings, Mama. That have been shredded and then disposed of like trash. What has not been allowed to grow in me is now growing in that hole. It's dangerous. I can feel it. Now, Jim, that is just plain silly. We'll go out to the hole and I'll prove it to you. Come on. That's really not a good idea. You're... you're being so... Ah, here it is. See, it's just a silly, stupid hole. Don't say that, Mama. A worthless, insignificant, meaningless hole. What? What is that sound? What are you writing on that piece of paper? I told you not to come out here. I told you not to say anything about the hole. Oh, what is it? What's happening? This is the last angry thought I will put in the hole, Mama. Here, read it to me. Jim, it says, kill mother. (sighs) There, I threw it in the hole, just like you always wanted, Mama. I tried to warn you, Mama, but you wouldn't listen. You never do. I no longer have control. No, son, please help me. Finally, I am free. Wake! What are you doing? No, no, not me! Please, not me! Ah!
You have been listening to a live Halloween broadcast by Chatterbox Audio Theater. Tonight's stories were written by Deborah Hyatt, Jack J. Ward, Stephen McIver, Richard Hand, Robert Arnold, Leslie Barker, and Joy Bishop. The performance featured the voices of Robert Arnold, Jane Harris, Kenan Keplinger, Bonnie Corvellis, Greg Crossness, Mandy Martin, Ross Williams, and Zach Williams, with special appearances by Brooks Eichner, Nora James Eichner, and Bill Short. Practical sound effects by Joe Carolino and Chris Jowers. Digital sound effects by Eric Sefton. Music by Sherry Hughes. Special thanks to Karen Strawn, Kim Justice, and Justin Willingham. The show was stage-managed by Emily Cost. It was produced by Eric Sefton and directed by Robert Arnold. The mission of Chatterbox Audio Theater is sparking imaginations through outstanding theatrical recordings. Download our shows, meet our cast and crew, and make a donation to support our work at www.chatterboxtheater.org. Wraps up the resonance of the live horror performance of Chatterbox Audio. At least while I walked this chamber, I discovered that it has a reticulating U-shape to it, bending back and forth in such a way as to... as to represent the power coils of some powerful weapon. Sonic Society Season 10 is written and produced by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music provided by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society through Creative Commons licensing. The Sonic Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. Hey everyone, it's Mark from Leap Audio. I'm here to tell you about something really exciting. 
July 24 through 26 of 2020, Halifax, Nova Scotia, we are gathering together in the world's first international modern audio drama convention and family reunion. Inspired in part by the living, loving memory of our dear friend Bill Hallwake, we're bringing together writers, producers, actors, and our fans for workshops, seminars, and even live performances. So join us, won't you? Go to madcon.com. That's www.mad-con.com for more information. I hope to see you in Halifax in 2020.